glasses i was just cleaning my glasses before the show and the fucking the thing just snapped off so i got it gorilla glued right now trying to dry it out fucking annoying is that everything i own is so cheap and shitty entropy sucks shit's always falling apart yeah my body's falling apart right of course i take care of it like shit like i said on that facebook post at one time yes my body is a temple and i treat it just like i do every other temple <laughs> zero respect <laughs> sacrilegious motherfuckers speaking of sacrilege playing for keeps <laughs> oh my god life itself was profound playing for keeps suck the end goodbye everybody see you next time <laughs> this was an episode of <laughs> Hard out, I almost said holy clowns. That was our old shit, which I still kind of miss. We'll get yeah. to that with the sacred cows episode keeps, of Saturday Night it gets, Fever. It gets, more, it gets more likes on Facebook than this. So <laughs> <laughs> That's because we had gall involved. No one no gives shit. a shit what we do. Speaking of shit we do that no one cares about. Right. Hopefully it's you care about one. Pipeline Artists. They just launched a site. It's awesome. It's beautiful. It's for artists of all stripes, writers, painters, poets um this podcast is linked on their listen page so you know they got good taste and i will be contributing some articles to them eventually but didn't have anything prepared at launch i'm writing an article on the power of procrastination and it's taking me a while predictably um we'll figure right uh what the fuck are we doing oh yeah reviewing two movies today the Ebert documentary by Steve James, Life Itself, which was Chris's pick. And my pick, Playing for Keeps, the film that Bob and Harvey Weinstein directed in 1986 before they realized they had zero talent as directors and should move on to other pastures. Because, man! Who farted? This sentence should be watching Playing for Keeps. It should be on a loop in his <laughs> cell. They should commute his sentence and just lock him in his house with that shit playing 24 7 would be worse than prison seriously sorry my mic's uh the main highlight of it being that it was marissa tomei's first movie and everyone's been in love with marissa tomei since my cousin yes. Vinny. i know i have been i've told gall before i'll fight him for her i know pretty much every dude wants to fight everyone else over fucking costanza wasn't that a whole Seinfeld thing? Right, yes, yes. She, well, the, I think the, the, the hook was that she was into bald, short dudes with glasses. Shit, dude, put your glasses on. <laughs> Come on, Gorilla Groom, try, try. I'm like quite as short, but I could, uh, I, every year I get more short. Yeah, your so. posture helps. Right. <laughs> uh, where's my fucking Too nerve? much of this shit sitting in like, computers in front of screens and shit. Right. Anyway. Um, Whew. So, what do you want to do first? Which movie? Shit. Let's just get playing for keeps out of the way, I guess. Because I don't know. Right. I mean, there's a lot to say about Harvey and shit. I guess. I mean, I don't know what's to be said that hasn't been said. But do you think he casting couched any of these chicks in this movie? <laughs> he probably. Uh, I, don't, I think it might have come with the power. He didn't have power yet, so maybe not. Right. I don't know. Right. 
I'm sure he wanted to. Yeah. But no. Versus particularly. Um, but yeah, the movie itself, let's see. So since you picked <laughs> it, do I have to describe it? Yeah. So it's, I mean, man, I watched it a couple weeks ago and it's already like faded quite a bit. It's, it's very, I don't even remember how it ended really. Like the plot and shit is terrible. Yeah. It's just this guy, correct me if I get this wrong, but a guy inherits a uh, hotel from a dead relative and these banker types want to buy it up. And he, instead he uh, tries to turn it to this party house, basically this, you know, hotel slash like a uh, hard rock hotel sort of thing. For teenagers, a hotel for yeah. teenagers. That's a great idea. First weekend, they're all Johnny Depp the shit and trash right. it, as you see at the end <laughs> when they're all running. Plan. Yeah. Yes. This place is going to last a fucking weekend. So it's supposed to be this like inspiring thing where these kids reject like uh, footloose type of thing, you know, where like the youth tries to rebel against the stodgy, you know, uh, uptight square, you know, elders of the town and shit. Uh, but man, it's just terrible. <laughs> it's, you know, it's, tone. And it felt like a couple of dudes who had a little bit of money were like, let's make a movie. Mm -hmm. like what about uh i don't know what's hot right now because it felt like you mentioned footloose it had just a bunch of random scenes of motherfuckers wanting to dance and shit in the middle of it even though it's not mm -hmm. about dance and everything yeah, there was like a point where they were painting the house and it was almost like choreo <laughs> choreographed the yeah. way they were dancing like what the fuck happened <laughs> yeah like some Bertolt um, brecht alienation effect shit but not on purpose you know? right yeah like some films would do that intentionally you know obviously but um right. this, this it didn't fit it at all it just was out of place it wasn't like it was a musical or something but um, didn't do much of anything intentionally that was the problem right like what do, what are hot movies do uh well teens uh they they all have to band together right. to do something um dancing dancing's hot let's put some dancing in it and shit which Sorry, it's amazing to me because say what you want about the Weinsteins. I'll go on record right now. Here's maybe something that hasn't been said about them or isn't said often. Amazing fucking producers. Monsters maybe, but their taste, if that's what it's all about, curation, the projects they brought to the fore, 341 Oscar nominations, 81 wins. I mean... The best movies of the nineties. All yeah. the shit we love growing They're like up. King Goodwill Maker hunting, types, you know, Tarantino yeah, they, shit. They have fucking, good taste. Taste maker type Yeah, exactly. Um, figures, yeah. Definitely made the best shit. The everything we think about the nineties, not everything, but a lot of what we think about the nineties as being like the golden age kind of for independent cinema mm -hmm. was them. They were responsible. Clerks, for, yeah. all that shit. I mean, it wasn't made by them, but they knew what to pick up, yeah. what to distribute, what to if it weren't for them. Troy the Duffy. 90s would have sucked. What'd you say? Troy Duffy. <laughs> right. They weren't <laughs> always right. But uh no, no. well, yeah. That that's a great documentary too. People should check out overnight. Oh it's about God. them trying to turn this Troy Duffy. It was off of Tarantino's success, the Boondock Saints uh writer and director, I think. Um, they tapped him and gave him all this power and money and he became this they like bought him his neighborhood yeah, corner bar that right. he hung out in and shit it's insane this with their magic wand fairy godmothered his ass and but he went fucking off the rails with it <laughs> just fucking got all just a great story of ego monstrosity yes. and shit and 
Harvey rearing his head and everything. And everyone knew for years that Harvey was dirty. We didn't know the extent that there was actually like sexual assaults mm-hmm. and rapes. Like but it was said, always it was the casting couch, was which, yep. I mean, say what you want about it. The casting couch is not cool. But at the same time, that's why a lot of these cats got into that shit, probably. Right. I know. I was like, what? <laughs> Harvey was probably like, that was my whole point in doing this shit. Right. I kid, obviously. But well, uh, here's the to thing, To some though, degree, you know. There's predatory sex and assault, and then there's transactional sex. Mm-hmm. A lot of actresses would be willing to fuck or do whatever to get a part. A lot weren't, but they would get propositioned throughout that process of weeding out the ones Constant who are and nature. aren't. And then they would get offended and harassed, essentially. You know, there's that distinction between harassment, assault. Yes, right. You know, rape, if something's whatever. propositioned versus, like, harassing the hell out of you or whatever. Yeah, right. So there's degrees. It's a spectrum like anything else. But a total monster. And, again, a big, pathetic, quivering mass yes. of a monster blocking the door and desperately right. pleading. Uh, the shit you hear. You imagine being one of those women. It would be awful. Jesus, fucking troll, just ogre, pestering you. <laughs> Ugh. Which he didn't just proposition because there's that tape of him with that Italian actress where yes yeah he just was like he, that was that that was uh, yeah but he's like groveling and shit but it was groveling right? yeah he wasn't yes. yeah it didn't seem like he was using his power so much it was more like begging almost it felt like but um but still just to the point of like take the hint you know what I mean just like oh, for it was sure just overbearing I guess the problem is that it worked in the past but, I bet yeah right that's the thing that's why he's doing so he's it doing it because it worked. Yeah, even if he strikes out however many times, like when it worked, it was worth it to him. Yep. But there are other charges that are women should carry pepper spray too. If I was like, a woman, uh, I would definitely have pepper assault. spray on me and I would have pepper spray the shit out of him if he blocked totally the hotel no room. Um and yeah, he's been charged and, and found guilty of worse than that too, like actual assaults on people and shit, like you know, forcing himself on people, whether you know dude, I mean, what he did to that ficus was real, just... but he was convicted for it. What's that? I said what he did to that ficus was just unconscionable. <laughs> right. It should press charges. <laughs> On behalf of plants everywhere. And then, of that's, course, that's there's the a whole movement. community built up around it that the agents who knew but sent actresses yeah. into those hotel rooms to the contract he signed that had stipulations in it with escalating payments he had to pay. Right. For yeah, every built in. suit brought against him. It's amazing. They knew. They were like, this yeah. shit's going to get worse and worse and eventually come to a head. What a fucking story. When you have it in your contract that you're going to sexually harass people and shit, that's crazy. <laughs> and we could get into your reasons. Yeah, right. We could get into your reasons of for picking it. But one is obviously that, that he's, you know, so Harvey's, uh, you know, uh, uh, story within the news and everything in, in recent years, but also the, our own personal experience with the Wise, Weinsteins which some I'm sure already are aware of, but those who aren't, Jay and I were, uh, we, we partnered with the Weinstein company on a project, a TV pitch we took out around town and did pitch meetings with, you know, one of their people and stuff. And uh, we talked to Bob on the phone and saw Harvey at their building in their offices, but didn't see Bob and didn't speak to Harvey. So that's kind of funny. We saw one, but spoke to the other, but not the uh, vice versa. Right. Um, which is hilarious. But th- that all, <clears throat> that was just before shit blew up with Harvey. Um, so just, I mean, maybe uh, a year or two, because they actually optioned our TV like show. 
and we had it under option with them and we got the rights back just before yeah, yeah. shit really hit the fan. So it was exactly. really yeah, all that went down before. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But it kind of finished or wrapped up just before their their yes. fall. Yeah. Um, and I'll tell you, man, out of all the places we pitched, that's the spot we wanted to land. We grew mm-hmm. up, like I said, on those movies. It blew our it minds when they were in prestige to us, you know. Yes. Um, and that's with us knowing that he was a casting couch creep. So when everyone's like, how did everyone work with him all those years? It's like, not only work with him, but want to above others because right. it meant you're making good shit. That's what gave him the power, yeah. Right. Could abuse, yeah. And Luckily, the we whole were separating safe. the art from the artist thing, you don't separate the production from the producer. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't give a shit what anyone does in their right. personal life or whatever. Yeah, I look at a film just on its own merits or any work of art and the 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 artists and everything I can separate. And like you said, even the people behind the artists, even more so, like, is separate from the art. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, those things are mutually exclusive of each other, really. Right. You know, in the and granted, of, we didn't know the extent of it again, like some people on the inside did, like... You know, yeah. the Brad Pitt. No, no, no. It was before all that came like to that. light. Yeah. Right. So we we're still just under that illusion that, yeah, he's a fucking asshole, but it means we're making good shit. You know, we got anointed. Yeah. yeah. Essentially. In fact, like more prominent in my mind were how he was just an asshole, like how he would just be belligerent and like, you know, th- like just uh, you scream at people and belittle them and stuff. I was right. more aware of that than anything at that time. Which yeah. we were like, bitch, try and yeah. fucking yell at me and see right. what the fuck happens. <laughs> Not to say I'm some badass, but I'll fucking punch all of you. Shit. Yeah. And at the least, we wouldn't be like fucking intimidated by it. Right. <laughs> I'd probably laugh. I remember totally, I told the story exactly. once, I think, when I was in boot camp and a fucking drone instructor's in my face, it's fucking Smokey the Bear hat fucking hit me in the forehead, just berating me. And I could not keep a fucking straight face. So I'm pretty sure Harvey office, wouldn't you have know. Fucking- yeah like me. anytime i landed in the principal's office and shit it would be the same thing just trying to, like hell not to laugh right if you're there with a buddy you both committed some offense you know and you're just like trying to i'll go so yourself. far as to say i hoped he would try and pull some shit like that on us one right day. <laughs> just to be the guy to be like fuck you dude i got nothing to lose that's the great thing i guess about coming from nothing right and exactly. being broke and shit yeah. and being a starving artist i mean it could go two ways they could string you along if you let them, but you're also like, dude, I have nothing to lose by fucking right. being the guy. To like call we're uncancelable because there's nothing to cancel. Right. I still feel that way. I don't give a fuck. Exactly. I mean, not that we've so had any great success, I, but any of right. it. <clears throat> but at least we're inoculated from it all to some degree. Because future jobs, whatever. I don't give a fuck. I don't even want to have a job that operates under you know the, that those right. parameters you know what i mean that like you have to be cautious about here's a question yeah i pose to you and if anyone ever fucking deigns to comment on our shit this would be a good one to comment if harvey came back he did his time he came back and got back into producing would you work with him me personally yeah Nah, i don't think so because if we believe in rehabilitation and penance uh, and doing his time and what if he came back and I he's just like, feel like he's radioactive? The- well, that's true. I mean, there's like Mel Gibson and stuff like that. That I mean, Which he wasn't a rapist, but yeah, no, exactly. But um, look at Roman Polanski; he's still making fucking movies, and people right. love them. The times have changed drastically I, I, in the last ten years, where he would not win an Oscar for the penis and shit nowadays. Uh, but 
I'm just saying that, I mean, if it was like no other options and, you know, things were desperate, maybe, but I'm just saying like, in like, as I am today, I, I don't. Yeah. What if we take a script yeah, out and work shit. with anyone at this point anyway? So it's kind of like, I'm just kidding. I'm saying, what if we take a script out and no one wanted to produce it because it's some Cactus mm-hmm. Jack type shit <laughs> and Harvey comes Harvey along did. and he's like, I think this is fucking genius. This is going to be my comeback picture. It's about. Well, let me say redemption, which I can relate to or something. I'm just throwing a hypothetical, obviously. Yeah, like obviously if if we were presented with that, I wouldn't just like have to answer it on the dime, you know. Yeah, but would your instinct be be like, no, I will never work with you because you are a rapist? No, would it be? Because you're radioactive. The equation, definitely. Um, And the radioactive thing is mainly what entered my mind. It's just like it didn't feel like it would be. That's the question. Um, is it a hill to die on sort of scenario? You know what I mean? Right. Are you morally saying no? I wouldn't want to work with him on a moral or ethical basis, or is it like I wouldn't want to deal with all the baggage that comes with it? That's it's a little question, of all of it, I think, because the yeah. moral thing I do definitely have a problem with too. It's so this is after he's paid his penance and done his rehabilitation and all that. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's the real crux of the philosophical question well, is do we believe in rehabilitation can a guy like that should he okay. come back and have a second chance at life and doing what he does best if he's a reformed different person or are we just like fuck him forever i don't know it's interesting maybe the crime is heinous enough that it's fuck him forever but yeah i mean i definitely believe in reform i feel like someone after like years after some offense can murder just a different person yeah like we let we want murderers to be able to get a job and shit when they come back right doing, you know? but i was just gonna say does he have to be in like he could probably just become more of a normal person and not a, a film producer after that and you know do what i mean like does it <laughs> you pull up at a wendy's and fucking harvey's <laughs> or even a businessman but of i'm some just saying doing what you do best he did it better than anyone yeah, the 90s are owed to him i'm saying it's I'm not making a here by posing the question. I'm not saying what I would do even. It's just Yeah, I wouldn't rule it out, I guess. I'd say like outright, I guess. Like anything, I wouldn't. That's what my main point of all this is that I would just need time to think about Mm -hmm. it like I would anything, you know. And the question of whether or not you would do it, I guarantee you, you would be socially pressured to not do it by everyone around you. And a lot of it based on their It wouldn't be a good look for sure. That's part of it. What was that last thing? Sorry. Just based on their moralizing, you know, they yeah, would be yeah. like morally opposed to it. But uh, yeah. the question is, should they be if he's rehabilitated, done his right. time? Because Well, for one thing, you can't be sure someone's rehabilitated. You know, they could just be playing, pretending. Yeah, but so you got to give people the benefit sure. of the doubt. Yeah. It's just a system. That's a shitty way to operate is assuming they haven't mm-hmm. been. If you do that, you got to do that to everybody, then not just him. Well, but how do you know in any case that like you, you assume they have because I guess they've gone through enough like yeah well what if he got out of jail and he like gives what, what qualifies on as... okay what he did and why it was wrong and he hasn't done anything wrong he's gone through years of fucking therapy and you know what i mean he's uh made amends he says this next picture he's gonna make he's gonna make no profit of it but give it all to fucking women's shelters or some shit you know what i mean Mm-hmm. I'm just again. This is very specific, hypothetical. I'd still be skeptical out, but... that that's you know that that's all do like it's paying penance in a way. But it, I'd be skeptical that the person changed just based on that data. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? That mm-hmm. they did all these like if anything, they might be overcompensating or trying to just get their good graces back or whatever. And they really haven't reformed inside, deep inside. You know, 
But then there's the whole question, too, of like any act, anyone does the whole free will thing, you know, like can anyone be blamed for anything they do on a level, you know, even murders and stuff, because that's just what their their background and their genetics and all these things led them up to or whatever. That's another way you can't operate as a society. Of course, you have to take measures. That's basically what this question is about. Throw away the Harvey of it, the you of it, you know, the anecdotal specific shit. The question is about rehabilitation, about second chances. Because he's a rich, white, powerful asshole, I feel like people wouldn't want to give him a second chance. You had a good shot. You blew it. Versus, right. say, that's, a that's young black way. guy who got caught up in drugs and shot somebody and mm-hmm. even murdered somebody, whereas he didn't murder anybody. Yeah. Um, that they're I, like, they never had a shot. So we got to give them yeah. a shot again. You know, that might be the, the crux of it. But uh, at the same time, money's not everything, power's not everything. Like, is that how we judge you had your shot? Because it's about money and shit, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It is I mean, it could it could be a case of, you know, he being corrupted by power, you know, that um, if he right. were given power again, would he be re-corruptible by it or not, even if he's reformed? And secondly, I even feel if that were the case, he would be so conscious, even if he wanted to exploit his power, he would be less likely to do so because he knows the lenses on him, you know? That, you know what part of his story is to me too? As you say, power corrupts. When you work in a corporate system, like the studios have become and had become by the 80s, even the 90s, it's a different kind of corruption. It can't be that tyrannical shit because there's checks and balances, shareholders, you'll get fucking fired, all that. The fact that they were indie producers allowed that power to be concentrated and corrupt him more than had he been in a corporate environment. Yeah, there's more... The more money they made, the more debt was fucking spun this way and that way. They started to have to take on investors mm-hmm. and it became the Weinstein company. Cause first it was Miramax named after right. their mom and dad. Yep. A small company. That was the golden age of the 90s. It was Miramax. Then yeah. it became the Weinstein company. And that was the beginning of the end. Yeah. Really for a guy like that, you mm-hmm. can't still be that type yes. of tyrannically corrupt once you start entering that system and eventually it was his undoing too to a degree mm-hmm. you know but uh the, all the old studio magnates and shit before it all went corporate they were all fucking harveys that's yeah. that kind of independent power you know it's uh, the man on the hill in a small town type shit different from like the presidential corruption or something you know but I don't know, man. It's all interesting to me because uh, fuck the movie. There's not much to say about the movie. It's terrible. It's just a hodgepodge of 80s shit they threw together. Um, I think also something we learned making a movie, they probably were like, what the fuck are we doing? Making a movie sucks. Why are we making yeah, this right. one stupid shitty movie with these people we could get together? All that investment, time and effort. Producing a hundred fucking awesome movies right. at the same time, you know, and then we just sit back and make money. I mean, they were still in the editing room notoriously and shit. So that's the fun part of making a yeah. movie. They would mm-hmm. just hop in at the fun part, take all the credit, yeah. you know, make the what most did I just see in the news. Someone was talking about how they actually tr- had to trick Harvey because he wanted to cut a, a bunch of it of his film. And he uh, had to rescue it by tricking the editor into giving him a copy and, and getting that. Re- I, I just saw this in the news. I, I was hoping it would 
Mm. You have heard it, but mm. it was just it like a couple weeks sort ago. Of familiar, but, but anyway, it'll make oh, it. other Harvey and other Harvey anecdotal famous stories. What about the Goodwill hunting shit though? About them putting that twenty dollar bill or whatever in the middle of it or some shit? No, what was it? it was a it was a scene where like one of them started blowing the other dude or some weird shit, right? They pirated in some scene yeah. in the script to see if execs and shit were actually oh. reading the script or not. What was the specific scene? It was just remember? look at um, yeah, it was uh Robin Williams and um Starsguard's character. Yes. Starsguard's characters yes. uh one was giving the other one a blowjob or something. Yeah, some game <laughs> shit yeah, they, with those two. Okay, yeah, yeah, and like and and of all the execs in town. The Weinsteins were the only ones who said, "What the fuck was up with that scene?" <laughs> yes. We put that in there just to make sure people were reading it, and you're the only ones apparently. I don't know if that's just lore it. or yeah. they talked about. Dick Harvey said that on Stern that that right, happens, right. But whether but, that's him, blow, you know, yeah, just make. make and they've said it. I've read too. Out of it. Matt Damon's mentioned it and shit, but uh, you always got to wonder with that shit. But uh, if that's the case, though, that's another tick. In his direction, as far as being an awesome, good producer, some I mean, the one guy read the shit. <laughs> Just right. fucking absurd. Yeah, or at least that closely. And this isn't me being a fucking Harvey apologist at all for the awful shit he did. He should be in prison. He should have been in prison ages ago if that's what he fucking did. And the courts proved out that he did, or at least you know. It'd be funny if the other. I mean, we had courts say OJ didn't do it and shit, so. Right. But, uh, It'd be funny if the other execs did read that scene and they were like, "All right, yeah, you gave him a blowjob, so what?" <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was like his homophobia. Was that fucking did it. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> what was up with this oh. faggot shit in here? That's what he said. Damn it! Did I have to do that? Cancel. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Anyway, yeah, I can't find whatever that was that story, but um, yeah, I got a few notes about it. I'll just throw out just the the fucking fantasizing sequences I have jotted oh, down. Amazing. I barely remember them, but they were fucking ridiculous. Amazing. Um, just... The hotel even being possibly a fixer-upper was ridiculous. How fucking bad in the state it was. Where like everything was like bad movie, over amplified, yes. hyperbolic. Right, like the the shitty hotel was like to the point of just being condemned and fucking had to be torn down. You know, the old bridge. The See, this is good. the kind of shit. Like part a big part of it is. They're going to get shut down in this chemical plant that's going to turn this hotel. It has to be right where this hotel is. It needs to be turned into a chemical. Right. Room. Yeah. And the kids have to dig a fucking, what do you call it? A fucking field, basically. Dig a big ass hole for human waste and shit. It was like a septic issue. Yeah. So if they don't dig this, that was what they tried time, to they're yeah. fucked. That's the ticking clock is yep. digging the septic issue <laughs> and getting a backhoe over this bridge, which is what I was getting right. to. It was another yes. version of that bad hotel shit. The bridge looks all fucked up. Uh, let's get a production team in here to make this bridge look fucked yeah. up. And it it looks, looks so fucked up. There's no way this fucking like nature would never fuck it up that way. Only a film right. crew would fuck it yes. up. Yes, like yeah. some Disney set or what? You know yes. what I mean? Like, like Disneyland, like of a fucked yeah. up bridge or something. Anyway. Um, in the same vein, the the villains, the suits, you know, in it were just hyperbolic and fucking oh, yes. just tip, like you know, dolomite uh, villains, archetypal. And shit. Yeah, <laughs> so, I jotted down lesser man's risky business or revenge of the nerds. A little bit of that the fixing sort of up the going for that. And shit. Yeah. Yep. risky business running. You know this, mm -hmm. which I want to see again. Actually, makes me want to see. Risky business, again. good. I'll yeah, which had much. both of those had booger in it. Uh, like Curtis Armstrong. Curtis Armstrong is a fucking legend. Better off dead. He should have been in this. It would have helped yes oh yeah that's if what there's a museum of the 80s there should be 
tucked away somewhere a Curtis Armstrong corner of it. <laughs> what are we fucking talking about? It should be a Curtis Armstrong museum. <laughs> should dude, let's uh, do one. Let's start a Curtis yes. Armstrong museum. <laughs> uh, I'll do that museum. shit. It'd be amazing. Uh, and my last note was super cringy at points, especially considering the Harvey of it all. <laughs> Some of the, the way the dudes were acting, just all fucking horned up and shit. Like, oh, yeah. Knowing that Harvey was involved, just gave it that extra level of. Cringe. Did you look at any pictures of them? No. I went back, period. I typed Harvey and Bob Weinstein like 1986 because I was like, what did they okay. look like while they were directing this shit? Share the screen. <laughs> uh, whatever. I'll, I'll look it up. Other people can look it up too, I guess, if they want. There was a black and white one of them from 1989, I found, which was like three years after making this, but it's hilarious. Just a couple of fat, dorky. Yeah. Is it like them on a rooftop or some shit in the city in the background? Can you share it? If you got it there, just share screen. Oh, let me. uh, Oops. Unfortunately, sometimes. Set the shit to let you. Oh my god! <laughs> I don't Just have my glasses because, like, the article it brings you to to actually look at the picture. Yeah, you got to scroll did. down. And I that was annoying. In. I should have mentioned right. that. Uh, and I got to figure out where the share screen button is again. Okay. But anyway, yeah, I was like, "What did these guys look like?" And I picture the yeah. So this is '89. Picture three or four years earlier. These two fucking guys on the set of this film. Get the back all across the bridge. This is the big scene. So this is the big scene. Ridiculous. <laughs> okay, Mary Ward, take your shirt off and dive into the pool or the fucking lake uh, or whatever. Ugh. I'm glad we never saw Bob's face. The, the brother dynamics always interesting, being brothers ourselves creatively and shit. <clears throat> totally. <laughs> but we're pretty. We're even 50-50 yeah, yeah, yeah. on shit. Like, Neither of us guys, is the bully. And, you know, Bob no. was the shrinking violet, supposedly, compared to... Right. Yeah, Harvey was just... It reminds me of this um, this nest that was growing on in my back balcony at one point. <clears throat> and these... I it, Like, I watched the, you know, uh, eggs, not literally watch them hatch, but I saw it go from that to the birds, the baby, the fledglings or whatever. And as they grew bigger and bigger, they were getting too big for the nest, but there was one that was like almost double the size of the other ones, the chicks. And, uh, it was like some baby human not crows. I figure what they're called out here in California. I don't think it's technically a crow, but it looks like it. Like, anyway. Um, and yeah, this one was like crowding the other ones out, just this fucking beastly one, just pushing the, almost the other ones out of the nest just by his size and shit. It kind of makes me think of Harvey, you know, with It'd be hilarious if it was an interloper. It was like some neighboring nest. No shit, right? <laughs> kind of teenager snuck thing. in to steal the food from the babes and shit. The bullying thing is interesting because I was reading an article about the Weinsteins. It might have been that one there even, but uh no, it was a different one. It was an uh, article about three employees. Maybe that was it. Yeah, three past employees talking about Harvey and shit. But one of them talked about the irony of them having produced that documentary, Bully, about bullying, and Harvey out there mm. talking about bullying as a scourge yeah. and all this shit. Interesting. And how fucked yeah. up that is that, meanwhile, he's the biggest bully. But yeah. I was thinking at the same time, he was which probably a bully because he was bullies. probably bullied. Yeah, which is the considered to be where most bullying comes from is so it's ironic though you say a bully shouldn't be allowed to condemn bullying because it's hypocritical but it's like no they're a bully because they got bullied they're saying we're gonna make more me's possibly that could have been what he's saying right he might even know he's a monster and he's like look what bullying turning people off from it yeah exactly yeah 
but we always got to take this fucking puritanical punitive. Oh, there he is. He's fucking got him, caught him. You know, you can never give anyone the benefit of the doubt is all I'm saying in public discourse that maybe that's what he's saying. It's always fuck that guy. He's a fucking hypocrite. You know, it's like, no, sometimes we fully acknowledge that we're the monster or something, you know, when you say something. And you can mm-hmm. condemn what you are. That's usually Don't what people are doing. I am. Yeah. Homophobes are condemning what they are and shit. You know what I mean? Right. They're just being hypocrites about it, whereas you could be. But you know, we act like hypocrisy is the greater crime. No. no. Whoever bullied Harvey was. Yeah. Didn't some stand up? I, I wish I could think of who it was. They said about Bill Cosby that some, I think it might have been Norm MacDonald said, uh, you know, his my buddy said, you know, what really gets me about the Bill Cosby thing is the hypocrisy yes. of it all. He's like, that's the worst crime that Bill what Cosby was being a hypocrite. Yes. <laughs> right. How about I think the, the worst part's the rape. <laughs> right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Fucking leave it to Norm to speak some yes. truth, because that's exactly what I'm trying to say. We said it so much better and funnier. <laughs> Fuck Norm. Let's just go listen to Norm's podcast. Fuck this. <laughs> All right. That'll be our show. We'll just share a screen. Dude, Norm's. that's a dream guest. Norm McDonald's yes. favorite movie. Oh, man. Holy shit. Dirty work, of course. <laughs> I'm pissed that you watched it. I, I think made it's it quite the opposite, actually. <laughs> I think he hates it. Well, I heard an interview with work. Artie, actually, the other day, some clip of Artie on that show he had with uh, Nick DePaula. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about dirty work. They were talking about Farley. And he said, we were having a blast making dirty work, and I love it still. Norm loves it. We all yeah, love I, the movie. I do too, actually. I, I heard it's bad. He said, critics didn't movie. take to it. But, <laughs> right, that's you know. the problem. Exactly. Yeah, fuck them. Dude, Speaking let's look critics. up Ebert, Cisco and Ebert's review of Dirty Work. <laughs> yes. It's got to be um, good. And speaking, speaking of, of Ebert, I guess, yeah, it's a perfect segue because I'm, I'm pretty done with playing yeah. for keeps. I don't know if I have Agreed. more to say about it. No, I think we took an interesting angle into it at least compared yeah. to just, you know, anyway, yeah. critique your uh, own shit. Ebert I mean, well, documentary. Gonna, oh, good. What 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 were we just talking about looking up Ebert's review of what? Dirty work. Dirty work. If he yeah. even bothered to review it, but yeah. Sure. Jamie, look Jamie, look that up. No shit. Dude, get Jamie Gillardi or whatever to be our Jamie. It'd be hilarious. Jamie, our Jamie. Yes. <laughs> hilarious. Can we have our own Jamie, yeah. dude. <laughs> Can we have him on remotely just sitting back there to Google shit for us? Old Jamie, dude. Old Jamie. <laughs> I looked it up and I was like, two and a half stars. Fucking Ebert, Dirty Work. Oh, there's another movie called Dirty Work. It's a different, which I wasn't even aware of. Probably some Vim Vendors or a Fastbender movie or some shit. I don't see anything about Dirty Work. Anyway, so yeah, life itself. Um, I'll summarize it. Life itself is a documentary made by Steve James who made hoop dreams. And if you've never seen it, my favorite of all his documentaries, Stevie, Mm -hmm. one of the great documentaries ever fucking made great, just character pieces. Stevie must watch. That Um, was one of the first documentaries that really pushed, you know, documentaries over the edge for me, just uh, where, where they could, the kind of effect they could have on you and stuff. Cause prior to that is growing up documentaries were usually a little more dry and stuff, you know, and just like about world war two or what have you, you know, yeah, not about a historically human, driven. Yeah. And, or a and human I'm, humanity. It was about which hoop dreams was too, but I hadn't seen it yet right. by the time I saw Stevie. So that was my first introduction to, you know, 
documentaries that that like Kucherin itself did. It's still just so much bigger. Stevie's just small and personal yes, and intimate. Yep. And it's amazing, dude. Well, Steve and, James, it, Ebert was a huge champion of hoop dreams. He kind of put Steve James on the map. He Steve James owed his life, you could argue, critically at least, to Ebert. And it's really cool then. Ebert being such a champion of his, meaning a fanboy, essentially. That's what critics are, you know, when they champion someone like that. To get him to make your documentary, that's pretty sweet. I was happy for Ebert that Steve James made the documentary about him, you know? Yeah, it was perfect. Um, Steve James, by the way, is kind of a mentor to Bing Liu, who had an Oscar nomination a couple years ago oh, with man. Mining the Gap, a documentary he made. And we love Bing. Bing was the grip on the first short film we ever made. <laughs> so we had an Oscar-nominated documentarian as a fucking grip, yeah. grip on a short film. But, I still uh, have to see Mining the Gap, too, I have to confess. Oh, really? it's, on my, it's actually on my list of picks. I wasn't sure if you had seen it yet or not. No, but I'm still waffling over what my pick is for this week, so I might make it that just to make you watch it. It's fucking great. Oh, I, well, I was just saying it was on my list of picks, and, mm. but I, w- I wasn't sure if you had seen it. I've seen it. But you it, can pick I'll it if you it again, want. Yeah, it's something that should be highlighted to people who might not be aware of it it's fucking great too um anyway bing was great you could tell from that time even like this dude is going to win at life just great attitude great mm-hmm. yeah yeah he bing's was one of the best clutch. fucking people i ever met in my life and we haven't kept in touch or anything but if you ever catch wind of this you're the shit dude always were always will be he's working on an adaptation of a feature film i read somewhere too now so good for him segueing that shit Steve James, fucking legend, made the Ebert documentary, which is about Ebert's last years, the surgeries he went through. I mean, it's kind of a retrospective. He wrote an autobiography called Life Itself, so it works in that regard a bit. It's about him and Siskel and their relationship, which is fucking great. But primarily, it's about his last days when his jaw was literally like a fucking hoop. You know, like the lip rings? Some of those tribes put in. Nightmares. Yeah, without the plate in there, just the lip dangling shit. That's like what his jaw yeah. became. It's fucking nightmarish. But how he still had an impish at times spirit. Yes, still was inspired. Spirit, I don't think I'd blog. have that level of fucking spirit that he did. No, he's a true that writer. Position. That blog. I don't think I'd blog and shit like Maybe I would. Probably if that was my only. Well, it's only the only thing you can do at that. I'd point, blow my yeah. fucking head off personally. I know. Or just like someone pulled the plug, you know, or just fucking call Doctor Kavorkian. And just how amazing his wife Chaz. Yeah, is and maybe was. that's what, partly what kept him hanging on. Actually. Yeah, she seemed. I mean, a couple interesting things near near the end where like he did the DNR without her knowing it because she wouldn't. Oh have yeah. That. Well, because he knew she'd about, fight for him too much. Right, which is fucked up. That's the yeah. way love can make you hurt somebody or perpetuate the pain someone yeah, is in exactly. for your own sake and shit, which, yep. I mean, I'm not going to say she didn't truly love him, but I will say if you truly love someone, the move is to let them go if they're in that much pain. Mm-hmm. You know, I understand human humanely and as a writer and shit, of course, how people love someone so much they can't let them go, but it's like, you got to, dude. I wonder, though, as part of that, what, whether it would be that she thinks that it's good for him to hang on to as long as uh, I don't know. You know what I mean? That it's not just selfish and that it's like. Right. I think there's like this ingrained belief because like e- euthanasia in general is outlawed often because people are like. 
they i don't i don't agree with it but i'm just saying i think that might be right. part of the what's entering your mind is just that it's better for him to hang on to life and not give more well, also it probably had been but dnr's a whole and i think you even better. saw that through his interactions with steve james there's a very fucked up sad moment near the end where mm-hmm. steve james is trying to catch up with him and say hey man we still got these certain subjects on the dock i don't know how you're feeling these days and he was just like i'm it's hard i can't I'm done i can't yeah. you know yeah you're like oh, fuck you know in those days he truly wanted to go and there were a couple times mm-hmm. when he said kill me yeah um but if he said kill me monday and then tuesday he's like let's have right. a picnic and shit right exactly I see I think how she that's what i'm talking she about resuscitate right. him because it's the yeah. yo-yo they're on like right coaster. you might just be in a feeling but the dnr thing though is different i was just as i was saying uh, i was thinking about that that it's um that's like if you're not able to yes. even but then some people even hold on to the belief that you'll come through and come out the Terry Schiavo thing famously back in the day. You know, some people were like, you know, she's still this, like miraculous. Still around? She, I don't remember. She... I think they, they, I feel like the outcome was they pulled the plug, but I don't even remember. I think there was some of that with like Whitney Houston or her daughter or something mm-hmm. too. It is a, do you pull the plug? And hey, everyone out there, if it's me, Go down in the basement and hit the circuit breaker and just fucking kill everything. Turn the whole fucking, <laughs> you know, don't just unplug me. Make sure that the shit thing is with me. Back in. <laughs> if, if it's not a burden, see, the only reason I'd say do not resuscitate me is if it's you don't want to be a burden on people. Exactly. That's the only reason. Cause you otherwise I would, I, I would hang on. I, I would just, cause um, it, for me, it's not, so for some people, it's like, I don't want to be just this vegetable and in this comatose state and not living life and stuff. But if you're still dreaming and they're filling you up with, you know, morphine or whatever, I mean, like, I almost want to just like, it seems like it could be a wild, like last. Yeah, for chapter, sure. I can see that you know too. what I mean? Just in your head, like whatever fucking plays out, whatever it is, it could be insane, you know, but. Um, that- and I went through nothing like him, but I did go through chemo and shit. And mm-hmm. you can trust me, take it from me passively sleepwalk your way through this kind of shit mm-hmm. i could see him just kind of like you said being in a dream yeah. state and but the problem is it's the expectations it's the burden of expectations too what does everybody want from me when everyone comes to visit in the room today if i'm having a bad day mm-hmm. i don't want to hawk out on these grandkids and shit mm-hmm. but you know my instinct would be to crawl under the porch and die like a dog yeah. or something alone Same. unobserved Mm-hmm. but uh that's impossible when you're in that state i mean he had suctionings where right, i imagine support what is it like post nasal drip that he can't swallow and get rid of oh, himself they'd have to God. come in and suck out of his face routinely yeah. and, shit. and like, it looks painful man it looked like he was right you know but yeah this like life itself i mean life let's talk about life because he was one of those people who really thinks in terms of life every life being so precious and that's what the movies is about you know that's true conveying how precious and precarious human life is so he wanted to hold on to it to the last second i guess but uh yeah just milk everything you can out of it even if it like because yeah he did even speak to that right where he was saying that it was um like a chapter again a final chapter mm-hmm. that does involve all this struggle and stuff and in a way it's sort of heroic or something i don't think he used that word but you know he was sort of epic, he you know? got up and yes totally yeah put his best foot forward and that blog mm-hmm. and the way it took off and yeah the way he just kept doing it he's like i'm not gonna let this stop me from doing what the fuck i love which is watching movies and talking about them to people and you know 
I love how thrilled he was when they had the website up because he did realize it is this like legacy and it has worked too. Cause like Ebert, you know, his, his site is still like a thriving place that, you know, will his archives, his fucking whole record will be available to anyone forever, at least until the EMP blast hits or whatever. But, um, but we have his books at least so. like had, had that not been put. Yeah, that's true. But I don't think people yeah, yeah. access it as much, you know, um, but had he, that not happens, you know, he, he may just fade away in a couple of generations or something, but with this, it, like it might persist, you know, for I feel bad because I've been on a massive wormhole lately and it's ironic because I started it before you made this year pick, which was serendipitous and cool as shit of watching old yeah, Ebert clips. That. Yeah, that was partly why on YouTube, yeah. just the nostalgia of it, that period late 80s mid to late 80s early 90s to mid 90s maybe even late 90s i'd say yeah i remember watching that show all the time it really keeping that love of film churning and shit or that fire burning for me that they weren't super pretentious siskel was kind of more so than ebert but now when i look back at all these old ones i'm amazed at how many movies ebert shit on yeah especially comedies like dirty rotten scoundrel shit he's gave a thumbs down to and shit you said just, dead poet society which dead is Poet society considering he gave a what we down. just did with our podcast when that go check it out yeah um, oscar winning script i mean dead poet society is amazing and yeah definitely yeah. check out that episode i did i was almost brought it up in that episode but i remember from some sitcom i don't remember the sitcom but a, a character in it um who was inspired like had been depressed for a while and suicidal and then became inspired to live life and everything and the other person asked her well, what what made you change your life like that and she goes well have you ever seen the movie dead poet society and Amazing. the one, other one goes yeah i love that movie and she's like i fucking hated it the one who had <laughs> you thought she was going to say it like inspired me she's like that fucking, and it inspired me to go make something better because if everyone fucking loved it and i thought it was shit or something i just wow. like turned it. it was it was the whole it was a joke you know oh, obviously okay. it was like it was it was a sitcom so it was like mm -hmm. turning it on its head like oh yeah that that That's movie's perfect. so inspiring i fucking hated it you know well it was that he was very cynical about shit like that and I, I see it. It is emotionally manipulative and yeah. shit. But that's, you know, well, it depends on what point again you are in your life, too, because we were like adolescents, like, right. As the kids were in the movie and stuff. Had Ebert seen that awesome. shit as a teenager, he would have fucking ate it up. Right. But uh, even now, I just rewatched it. It holds up like a motherfucker to me. So. Yeah. Agreed. Like uh, Patch Adams, another Robin Williams movie, famously, we loved it when it came out. But then we went to watch it again and the tone <laughs> and everything was just like, oh. Um, it's what he accused dead poet society of being exactly that's where i was going with that but yeah, peter that, weir does not play that game with the sack no, music no, and bullshit. Not it's all. not emotionally manipulative it's just emotional yeah you know um, dead poet society for life <laughs> shout out to Gail hansen tom shulman dylan cussman did this come up do people have uh dead poets tattoos of any kind the characters or anything well, i'm sure they do. Or something. it must be out i'm there. sure man if you i mean look at the twitter life it has and shit it's crazy the tiktok there's a big tiktok yeah. thing about dead poets it's crazy man right it is now ebert and his fucking following reviews dead poets tattoos. i started wondering uh that guy who interviewed us for cactus jack that german film interviewer critic yes. i guess yeah just released the we're gonna have him on the podcast i want to talk to him about film criticism and the role criticism plays in art is it a good thing is it a bad thing um ebert and siskel both of course think that they were doing god's work 
that criticism is a critical component of art. You know what I mean? That mm-hmm. yeah, art exists to be criticized, essentially, almost. Which uh, that's debatable, I think. Oh shoot! Yeah, look at that, Mr. Keating. That's a good job. Yes, the desk standing the on the desk. Some of these are so, fucking so random. <laughs> the choices, like you know, you think like, okay, yeah, Keating or the carpet DM or whatever, but like the feet on the, the desk. That's hilarious. the DPS with the wreath. That's like the more tasteful kind of shit yes. I would get if I were to get one. Exactly. You know? Oh, Captain, my Captain, Carby DM, of course. But that's oh, uh, what is that? Just the script. That's cool. Yup. Oh, nice. What is this one on the left oh, there? Thigh tattoo quote. One row yeah. up. Yeah. What is that quote? Which is that? Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> shit. I oh, know. I can't see. That's the problem with this fucking image thing. If I click the side, poetry we'll is what we can. stay alive for. I think it's. What it's Oh, oh, you're looking at the different... We don't read and write poetry because... All right, yeah, it's that oh, quote. Yeah. I was wondering which quote it was. Yeah, yeah. I like script tattoos sometimes. Like that shit Angelina mm-hmm. Jolie had on her ribcage and shit. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. cool. What was that again? Do you remember? No. some Probably some... Like Hebrew or some scripture shit. Scripture or something. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if she really had uh, that or if that was for that movie. I just remember the Wanted oh, yeah. the trailer or whatever. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so let me see. I got some notes on life itself. We could go through. Oh, one thing I'll say real quick. Shit. Oh, I thought e- or Cisco was the one with the stick up in his, his ass. Meanwhile, that motherfucker is in the grotto at the Playboy Mansion kicking it with yeah, bunnies dude, and shit. Yeah, he was shit. living the life, dude. I had no idea Cisco with his fucking Herzog mustache was just out mm-hmm. there getting down. <laughs> That's awesome. Good for him. I don't know. You might frown on that nowadays in 2021 and shit, but man, motherfuckers are just trying to have fun. That's it. It's harmless. I do feel like motherfuckers do not know how to have fun nowadays. I was just watching old Howard Stern clips where they had an intern beauty pageant. Nowadays, that would be looked at so bad. We're so puritanical now. Yeah, these girls working for free who then have this pageant where they come in and shit. Um, Totally objectifying, you know, subjectifying, but that's the point of it all. But the girls were all in on it. Yeah, the, they were cool. As long about as they're it. they're down, you know what's the problem exactly? And you know they're what? Having fun, whatever. One of the girls' dads called in, and he thought he'd be all admonishing. He's oh, like, yeah. "She's a big girl. She's twenty two. She wants to show her pierced nipple to Howard Stern. Whatever. That's on her. Right. Good for you, Dad. Good for you." The only reason it's like considered wrong is because of like these puritanical views. It's like right. That otherwise, is the problem with- otherwise, how is it an issue at all? If everyone's like again having fun with it and no one's right. being harmed, like we and ran the into the cancel culture shit too. a lot. It's the words harm shit now. <clears throat> Sticks and stones is long gone. Yeah, that shit might right. as well be just a relic of the past because now it's oh, like shit. words wound does worse. It, is like the does it credos. ring true for anyone now for whatever reason? Yeah, I'm trying to raise my boy that way. Like you can't the- get wounded by words. Fuck that totally. shit. Um, and the objectification thing is it's not saying that the person <clears throat> is just an object. Exactly. They're just saying, yeah, they're attractive, but they're not saying that they can't also be intelligent and artistic and all these other, you know what I'm saying? Well, like remember Ryan just because about- you see someone as, as like attractive, like physically isn't negating the possibility that they're not just that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's ironic. It makes you like, the sexist. If you're against pageants, you're the one who's marginalizing those women and saying they're only bimbos being objectified and that they're right. being that they don't have something else to offer by shit. default just because they're also yeah right that they're, they're being exploited or used it's like no maybe everyone right. weighs the pros and cons and they know exactly what the fuck they're getting into you know 
and it's something they like. Right. Do you know? Some people yeah. like being the object What's your of problem affection. With them doing what they want to do, yeah. You know? exactly. And remember how Ryan was talking about these, like the black actors and Malcolm and Marie being the mouthpieces, and I was like, "Are you saying that they're suckers, basically?" Right. Because that's what you're saying. If you were to say these girls in this intern pageant are being preyed upon, where they're suckers, like, give them some credit. Maybe they think it's fun, and they're like, "I'm young, and I'm going to do this shit while I'm young. Yeah. It's cool and cut loose." And they're probably looking back at it now, just like that shit was crazy. That was fun. Right. That was, you know what I mean? I kids, doubt they're like the teenage yeah. daughter is like, "Oh my god, mom, I can't let, believe you let yourself be so objectified." Right, no shit. It's like, dude. Well, and this is, there would have been Gloria Steinem's perhaps or whoever at the time. I'm sure there were tons of vocal of feminist course. critics of that interns party then as well, but it's like that's become kind of the norm now. That's mm -hmm. what's scary. Mm -hmm. Anyway, back to Ebert for a minute. Just I don't know how much relax. time we have, but uh, we got to make our picks too at some point, which oh, I, yeah, I kind of forgot my pick, Me so I'm kind of <laughs> sweating right now. I Like I said, I had notes and shit, but whatever. Yeah, you can get um, to some of them if you want. Let's do our picks first because make sure we get them in trying to think <laughs> okay well let me see I have like three. i'm not even going to be able to think about my notes either if i start going into all this and see god damn i totally forgot we had to do fucking picks do your notes time. while i think about my pick and then while i'm making my pick all right think about right. it perfect okay um all right so steve james stevie we talked about um beyond the valley of the dolls yes <laughs> Uh, well, and Ebert, Ebert was like fat guy, so he's into tits and shit through movies. Whereas Cisco, skinny guys at the Playboy Mansion, right? Yeah, more voyeur as a fat guy yeah. that struck <laughs> wallflowerish. Yeah, yes, exactly. By the way, though, Ebert was tearing it up too in his younger days when he was get first getting into journalism and stuff and going across the street to the, the bar. guy at the bar. Sound like everyone loved him, even yeah. if you got in an argument with him, he's still cool mm -hmm. and shit. Though, just always smiling. And I love Ebert, man. Fucking yeah. always love that dude. Yes. And uh, he was on Stern a lot too. Both both of them appeared as well together, but yeah. sometimes it was just Ebert and he'd had a great rapport with Stern, man. They were just constantly fucking because he's so deceptive. And... You see him, this fat dude with his glasses, you think the way he dressed in those sweats, you know, blazers, corduroy blazers and shit. Just that you would think he's kind of pretentious or kind of right uppity, but no, he mm -hmm. was down as fuck, dude. Totally. <sighs> Um, I just have a note here. I vaguely remember it. See, that's the problem. Like when we did the drive one, I had just watched it. So I, it felt so fresh. I was like, I could key in on any scene in my mind and stuff. Right. But like so, yeah. these I saw a couple weeks ago and I'm like kind I gotta of get on them quicker. Um, <laughs> Maybe we should wait till I watch something to them. Yeah. Watch it. Yeah. So um, life is way worse for this shit. Cinema interrupt interrupt us. I think it was some kind of like a class that Ebert did where anyone in the class could stop the film and they would discuss if they That's wanted. That's cool. But, uh, yeah, I was thinking about that with you and me because one of the things I do when I watch a film, I do stop it, especially taking notes. We used to do that a lot when we watched together. It. Yeah. We'd, we'd have the remote and somebody could stop it. And talk, yeah, but it was rare. It wasn't, yeah, we wouldn't like stop it to discuss that much or anything. It would be like to take a leak or something. I don't remember like like stop here let's talk about this scene kind of like approach really. well sometimes when one of us would just start talking during the movie because something was oh, yeah, then somebody would hit worked. pause yeah, yeah be, it wouldn't hit like, pause first yeah. yeah 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 that's the distinction i guess um when chaz found the bible in, in his room i take it this isn't yours amazing <laughs> 
Uh, they made me fucking uh, chortle out loud and shit. Yes. Um, Pauline Kale was uh, rep mentioned, who's like a predecessor, mm-hmm. uh, like uh, like the the OG like reviewer that everyone was citing and stuff. At least the one that she I, did not like, give like, a fuck either. Or, yeah, she seemed awesome. Now I will say she brought a lot of the feminine gaze type criticism, which I learned about. You know that kind of criticism through a prism, through a window, not objective. You know what I mean? But mm. I'm going to look at this movie as a feminist and stuff. That to me is always interesting. Uh, see, I, I haven't noticed that yet. I haven't read a ton of her shit just a little bit, but I didn't catch on to that. I'm pretty sure she she might not have been like the godmother of it. There was another whose name escapes me, but mm-hmm. yeah, I'm just saying that kind of criticism. I feel like we've moved to something I want to get into with this German dude into this era of criticism through identity politics yeah. lensing yeah and, you know it like, should be better if you remove yourself from the equation right ebert and, and cisco if you go and watch their own clips, at least in they, that respect they push back on political correctness all the fucking time it's great that's the value that they had you know that mm-hmm. kind of criticism and they they called out criticism that kowtowed to political correctness and shit you know mm-hmm. like, that's not our jobs but a whole generation of critics i feel like it's just I don't know. Agenda driven, yeah. Yeah, and virtue signaling and shit to yeah. a degree. They you know, they're taking into account shit. I even feel like that first review we got in the Daily Beast for Cactus Jack was doing this kind of had made up its mind about the film before watching it and then are arguing points mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. support what it you know. Yeah. Whatever. Fits that Just, narrative. Yeah. And if you want to be that kind of critic, fine, whatever. You can be any kind of critic you want. You can do it through the lens of a fucking duckbill platypus and shit or whatever for all I care. I'm just saying, I want to know what you really fucking thought and felt without all the bullshit and expectations of what mm-hmm. others might think of your thoughts and shit, you know? And that's I mean, what part of the point of we're both like, fuck the other guy's thoughts. Part of the point of fiction, too, is whether it's film, books, whatever, is to get you to get into the heads of the characters and not have your own right. POV. It's more about the characters POV and why they see the world they do and, you know, move through it the way they do and everything versus this film is problematic because it's like, shut right. up. Problematic's kind of good with art again, too. It's right to, you know, incite and get people talking about controversial things. And All right. Fuck. Keep pushing that. I'm in. down to two picks. Yeah. The one thing that's fucking me up about this week's pick is I know Zardoz is my vestigial one. So I want to make something that's a counterpoint to that, a comedy or whatever, you know, but it's between the Zack Snyder Justice League fucking movie, the four hour Zack Snyder cut of the <laughs> Justice League. So that's a movie and not a series? Yes. I thought it was and it's all the rage right now, but maybe we should do a cinephiliacs about that with Larry Lasky and some people oh, yeah, or something. Maybe. I'm sure we'll get people who want to talk about that. Yeah. All right. Um, so I'm going to pick moonwalkers oh man it's still in cellophane oh is that the one about the um uh, kubrick filming the (laughs) this is one of the craziest the lunar landing fucking movies i've ever seen yes it's ron perlman's big ass fucking easter egg island head and rupert grint (laughs) that fucking ginger from harry potter running around in an insane psychedelic treatment of the kubrick lunar Whoa. landing hoax fucking recording shit it's amazing 
Crazy. All so right. that or Zardoz, so you've seen they're this. unfortunately kind of the same. Yeah, but you got to see yeah. it. Okay. They're similar. No, but. that's cool. I, I It's just I'm curious because Zardoz you, Zardoz, you have not, I'm sure, right? Zardoz feels like the movie that this kind of shit is satirizing yes, or parodying yes, or whatever. It informs it. It's just, yeah, right. exactly. But right. yes, I have not, not seen Zardoz yet, which is but... a huge gap because like I know mm-hmm. a buddy of mine, Dave Beckerman, like that's like his shit. I think it's Twitter. Sean Connery's in there, right? Yes. Which would be crazy to see. Wearing like this weird red fucking Flash Gordon looking singlet and shit. It's hilarious. Anyway, we're probably running out of time. What do you got? Well, I I was supposed to spend my time. See, I was thinking that wouldn't work because we have to talk about your pick and shit. Uh, Do you have it whittled down? Not really. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.